Welcome to Charleston Church Down East Weekly Podcast. For more information about us, visit charlestonchurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message. King of kings and Lord of lords is not just a cute little saying we say because that's what preachers say on Easter Sunday. He literally is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. The tomb is not full. It's not half full. It's not half empty. It is empty. He is risen. He is alive. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Father God, I pray over this word this morning. I speak to every distraction. Every distraction that would try to throw off the reception of the word, I command it to be bound up and go now in the name of Jesus. I speak to every foul religious spirit. You're not welcome here. Pack your bags and take off right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, charge this atmosphere with a Holy Ghost frequency, I pray. May the presence of God be tangible in this place this morning, God. I thank you. I prophesy salvation will happen today. I prophesy healings and bodies will happen today. And I thank you, God, that you will honor your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning. He's way ahead of me. Stuck on Saturday. Stuck on Saturday. You say, what kind of a title is that for an Easter Sunday service? Friday was the day of the crucifixion. Sunday is the day where victory came to Christians and to the church, to the world. But sometimes we can be tempted to get stuck on Saturday. We can get stuck in the in-between. We just experienced our Friday. We haven't got to our Sunday yet, so what do we do when we're on Saturday? It's the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Everybody good? Following where? Everybody tracking with me so far? good to have you here, Dave. Don't ruin it. <laughs> Matthew 27, we're going to read a fair amount of scripture this morning, but if you don't like that, you probably won't like church, because that's kind of what we're here for, amen? Matthew 27, we're going to start at verse 11, I believe. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Easter story, because I know that that is a reality, Jesus came to earth was born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit, lived a spotless life. He was, now I know this may be hard to, to understand for a moment, but he was, when he walked this earth, he was 100% man, like you and I, but he was also 100% God. He lived a sinless life, and the reason that God sent his only son to earth was to hang on that cross to lift the burden of sin for you and I. You see, when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they had everything they needed. God had given them a life lacking nothing. They had communion and fellowship with God, and that's what his desire was. But when they sinned, they broke that communion, that fellowship, and now there was an eternal separation between God and man. But thank God it didn't stop there. He had a plan in the works the whole time. He sent Jesus. You see... We could never in our own worth be good enough to make heaven. We could never restore that, that relationship because the reality is if you don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't turn your life over to him and live a life, your best life you possibly can to please and live for him, if you let your flesh control you and never make that decision, hell is a reality. 
You say, I don't believe in heaven and hell. Well, that doesn't make it any less true. Hell is the reality for people who reject God. But heaven is the reality for those of us who choose to follow him. There's no, we have a, a choice that we don't have to be eternally separated from God. All we have to do is decide to turn our back on our old life once and for all and live a life pleasing to God. Make him the Lord of our life. And when we do that, hell is eradicated from our future. Heaven is our home. Victory is our story. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the one who came when you and I could never be good enough. He lived a sinless life on this earth. The Bible says he was tempted and knew every temptation like you and I did, but he, he didn't sin. And we're going to read here in a moment the religious people. Like I said, not a fan. The religious people said, who does he think he is saying that he's the son of God? Now, he wasn't staunch enough for them, apparently. And dry and boring. Because that's what religion is. But Jesus was arrested. He was given an unfair trial, and though he was guilty of nothing but love, he got up on that cross. They nailed him to a cross. This is a real life, this isn't a fairy tale, real, real life. They nailed him to a cross. Through his feet, they crossed his feet, nailed him through there, and nailed both hands to a cross and threw that thing in the ground. But before he even got there, they spit on him. They ripped his beard out. The cat of nine tails is a whip with glass and metal shavings tied to the nine tails on it. They whipped him until they said his flesh hung off of his bones. He was unrecognizable. But that wasn't enough. They made him carry his cross. Then he was nailed to it. And he felt the weight of sin, mine and your sin, and our shortcomings. And he said, Jesus, if there's any, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he knew this is the sacrifice that needed to take place once and for all. You see, in the Old Testament, they sacrificed the blood of bulls and goats to try to make us good enough. But this was the once and for all sacrifice. This was you and I don't have to earn it. We just have to accept them. And he earned it for us. Amen? And we're going to read it here in a moment. But he hung up on that cross and they pierced his side with a spear. And the Bible says, he said, it is finished. He hung his head and breathed his last breath. And when he did, I love this. There used to be a veil in the temple that separated only the priests could go behind it. The high priest could go behind it into the presence of God. But when Jesus died, the Bible says at that very moment, like lightning, that veil that used to separate you and I from God was ripped from top to bottom and now made entry for you and I to experience everything that God had for us. We don't need the blood of bulls and goats. We don't need to be good enough. We don't need some high priest to go on our behalf. No, we just say, Jesus, I messed up and I need you. Jesus, I need you to take what I can't take. I receive you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And when we do that, sin is eradicated from our life. You don't have to be good enough anymore. You just have to say, Jesus, 
I receive you. I turn my back on the old me. I couldn't do it anyway. And everything Jesus provided is available to you in that one moment. You no longer, hell is no longer your reality. You know the Bible says that hell is a fire that burns you but you're never consumed? It's eternal torment. It's not a party. Hey, let's grab a beer. Chug it. Yeah, we're going to have a party in hell. That's a lie to deceive people that hell's going to be some fun party like you had last night. No. Eternal torment. More than that, eternal separation from God. But the choices belongs to you and I. It doesn't have to be that way. Let's dig into this story. Matthew 27, 11. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked, mocking him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations, all the religious people, against him, Jesus remained silent. Sometimes it's best just to let God vindicate you. Amen? Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you, Pilate demanded? But Jesus made no response to any of these charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He knew very well that the religious leaders arrested Jesus out of envy. Verse 19. Just then as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent this message. Leave that innocent man alone. Our wives have good advice that we need to hear to sometimes. That's a good place for you to say amen, men. There we go. Which of these two do you want me to release? The crowd shouted, Barabbas. Pilate responded, Then what should I do with Jesus? Called the Messiah. They shouted back, Crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder. Crucify him. Pilate saw he wasn't going to get anywhere, and a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water to wash his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. This would have been a great time for him to grow a backbone. I don't know if you can relate to that in society anywhere now, but. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. Wow. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus to be flogged with a lead-tip whip then turned him over to the Roman soldiers. Let's jump down to verse 32. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And when they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, the soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. I'm just going to throw this out here. This will test the religious waters this morning. 
you don't usually cam gamble for rags. Kind of eliminates that Jesus was a poor homeless man argument. That went well. <laughs> the people passing by shouted, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled to him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, then save yourself and come down from that cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't even save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from that cross right now and then we'll believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. Verse 45, we're almost done reading here. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling to the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up with a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Listen to this. Then Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. I'm going to stop there for right now. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning about, let me ask you a question. Are you living like the tomb is still half full? The tomb is not half full. The tomb, I can assure you, is fully empty. Jesus completely eradicated everything that sin tried to do to man. The tomb is not half full. The stone is not still sealing it. It is empty. Kind of like the gas gauge on the car after you get in after your spouse. Amen? Ah, I knew somebody else would know what I'm talking about. Not my wife. Not my wife. I heard about that. Maybe that happened to somebody one time. If I had a dollar for every time. <clears throat> Costs just as much to keep it full as it does empty. Amen. <laughs> I probably should just stop and keep preaching that. <laughs> I see a lot of smiles on the face of men right now. And a lot of looks from women that you better not agree with him right now. Men, don't agree with me, whatever you do, for your own benefit. I got three points, like every good sermon does, and they're simply Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Matthew 27, 27 to 54, we just read through that. You know, it would appear, if you were living in Jesus' age, it would appear that defeat had come. Oh, he said he was the Savior. We thought he was the Messiah, but uh, he's dead, so I guess not. I don't know about you. Have you ever gotten a moment where you were sure 
it looked like everything was going right, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't. I think we can all say probably in the last 12, 13 months that we've had some crucifixion Fridays in our life. Where what we thought was the answer suddenly wasn't the answer anymore. What we thought was our path to victory wasn't the path to victory anymore. What we thought was the end, the finish line, wasn't the finish line anymore. And when you're standing in a Friday moment, think of of how it affected If you read on that passage of scripture, it says there was bystanders, family, friends of his, that stood by and watched him be crucified. If you're them in that moment, it looks pretty bleak. Now I want to speak to some people this morning. I'm not foolish. I know not everybody walked in here on top of the mountain. I know not everybody walked in here feeling like a million dollars or a half a million dollars or ten dollars. I'm aware of that. Life happens. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes of our own doing. I don't know about you. I've made a few mistakes in my life. But sometimes no doing of our own. We just encounter situations. And it can look at times like the Savior still on the cross. We're still stuck on Friday. But I want to encourage you this morning. You know the story, most of us. Sundays are coming. Friday, living in your Friday will keep you defeated. Living in your Friday represents apparent defeat. It represents hurt and disappointment and discouragement. It represents a false conclusion or a false finish line. It represents death experiences distracting us from our day three Sunday experiences. That is the reality of how we feel on Friday. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't get stuck in what looks like apparent defeat for you. Just because someone in your family didn't treat you right, doesn't mean that has to continue in your life. Just because you feel like you've been orphaned your whole life, doesn't mean that you have to stay in that Friday mentality, that defeat mentality. Just because Some people who should have loved you didn't. People mistreated you. Just because no one in your life has ever got out of poverty and and brokenness. Just because the abuse cycle has continued in your life. Just because the addiction cycle has continued in your life. Doesn't mean you have to be stuck there. Jesus got up and walked out of that grave so you don't have to live in the defeat of Friday. Saturday's coming, but Sunday's on the way. You don't have to stay there another day in your life. Just because no one in your family has ever got past this point, today you say, no, I'm stepping on by this point. I'm not staying stuck in Friday. I'm moving towards Sunday. Now, maybe that's not your reality yet. Maybe Sunday looks like a... Oh, man, I almost said something there. Praise the Lord. Sorry. Maybe Sunday looks like a long way off for you. Maybe you say, okay, well, I want to get past this Friday mentality of defeat. Like the Savior, my, my way out is gone. The bleakness of Friday, the, the morning, the heaviness. But Sunday seems like a long ways away. I don't even see a path to Sunday. I love what the song says. Just because you don't feel it 
just because you don't see it doesn't mean he's not working. You know, Daniel prayed and fasted. 21 days later, an angel appeared and said, the very first day you prayed, I sent the answer. But there was a war going on in the heavenlies trying to prevent it from getting to you. God wants you to know this morning, he has heard every prayer you've prayed. He has saw every tear you've cried. And he says, not one of them will go to waste. Not one of them was cried in vain. He says, if you'll let me, I'll take what was hurtful. I'll take what was sorrowful. I'll, I'll take what broke your heart and you thought was going to ruin you. And if you'll trust me, I'll reach down in your Friday and I'll pull you to my Sunday. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been for you anymore. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been for you anymore. Just because it used to be doesn't mean it'll always be. Freedom has been provided for you. Freedom has been provided for you. Don't make the mistake of walking out these doors today saying, I'll do it another day. Yeah, I've heard this all before. Yeah, well, it may be the last time you ever get to hear it. Don't get stuck in your Friday. So, by default, what comes after Friday? Saturday. You guys okay? Seven days of the week? Friday, Saturday? I feel like that's a revelation to somebody. <laughs> I know, wow. Mm. Matthew 27, 55 to 65. Matthew 27, 55 to 65. Talking about Saturday, the middle. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of Jesus, or James and Joseph, rather. And the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Verse 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. Verse 62, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will raise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing the body and telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we will be worse off than we were at first in the beginning. So maybe you feel that, okay, you got past your Friday. You saw the defeat. You felt the hurt. Now, Jesus was literally pierced with nails. Maybe you felt like a nail's gone through your heart in the last year. Maybe you lost something. Maybe fear took over your life. And you feel like you've kind of got past that now, but now what? Anybody feel like that? You're on Saturday. You died yesterday. You don't know Sunday's coming. What do we do now? 
What do we do now in the middle? Saturday represents a time to hurry up and wait. Did you ever feel that way before? Hurry up and wait? It represents a temptation to accept defeat. Don't get stuck in Saturday. You will be tempted to accept the defeat, either that you've brought on yourself or that you've been handed in life. Now, defeat looks different for everybody. Some of you have been in church your whole life. You got a pretty, things are going pretty good. Defeat may look a little different. But some of you have lived in the vilest of circumstances at no fault of your own. Some of you, this is brand new to you. But I want to encourage you, don't get stuck. Don't get stuck on Saturday. Don't be tempted to accept defeat as your future. Don't get stuck thinking Well, God is sovereign. This is the, the, the cards I've been dealt. I guess I've got to live that way. That's a lie from hell. Jesus ain't in the card dealing business. He didn't deal you no cards. We live in a fallen world. We make choices. People do things to us that we can't control. But your defeat cannot be your identity. That hurt cannot be what you live in. I've had some people cut my heart out, stomp on it, burn it, and throw the ashes into the wind. I get it. But if you choose to take that on as your identity, you will look through the lens of that hurt the rest of your life. And you will never get past Saturday. You will never get past that person that lied to you. You will never get past that person that abused you. You will never get past feeling like nobody cares about you, so what's the point of living anymore? I break that foul, suicidal spirit today. Your life is worth living. Don't let the devil whisper another day and say, it's not worth it. What's the point of you living here? No one cares. You've got no purpose in life. Jesus stepped in and said, no, I have called you to come up another level. I didn't leave you in your sin. I loved you too much to leave you there. I'm reaching down today. Say, take my hand. I'll show you there is purpose. There is reason to live. There is reason to get up tomorrow. It doesn't have to be the way it's always been. Don't get stuck in Saturday. Don't let the identity of defeat be yours. No, push it away and say, I refuse to take on that identity. I am not an orphan. I'm not sick. I'm not defeated. I'm not bound. I'm not any of those things. My identity is found solidly in the finished work of Jesus. I am good enough because Jesus made me good enough. My life is worth living because he said it's worth living. I'm not bound by sin. I'm free. I'm not bound by addiction. I'm free. The devil's tried to take me out, but he'll rue the day he tried to because I saw the light. I now have Jesus on the inside of me, and I am pushing away the identity of defeat, and I'm taking on the identity that Jesus has laid before me. That's an identity of victory, in case you're wondering. You are not defeated. You are not your addiction. You are not your abuse. You are not the sum total of whatever's happened to you before today. I want to encourage you this morning, take on the nature of God. Take on the nature of his future for you. It is one of victory. John 10.10 
John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The devil, the devil, the devil, hear me now, the devil comes to steal from you. Comes to kill you and everything in your life. Comes to destroy you and everything in your life. That's the devil. So if you're having anything that's been stolen, killed, destroyed in your life, don't accredit that to God and his sovereignty. That's a lie from religion and hell. He is a good, good father. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the father. And in him there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. He's a good God. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not from God. It's from hell. But the rest of that scripture says, but I, Jesus have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I am everything you need. I am your healer. I am your savior. I'm your deliverer. I'm the fixer of the brokenhearted. I'll mend everything. I'll bridge the gap. Whatever you need me to be, Jesus is saying to you this morning, I'll be just that to you. All you've got to do is say, I'm making room, God, for you to take over. I turn my back on my sin and my past. And I look forward towards the future you have for me. I, I turn my back on the rejection and I accept your love. You are good enough. Nothing you've done in your past disqualifies you from his future for you. Nothing. Nothing. And maybe you think you've got it all figured out. Anybody in here like that? I don't need this gospel stuff. I got it all figured out. I'm a man. You know what? I used to think that too. For those of you who think, I want some of you don't know me. For those of you who think, I used to make sure that's locked. Long story, inside joke. I didn't always grow up with a microphone standing behind a pulpit. And my mom raised me in church. But obviously she didn't know what was best for me. I knew way better because I had it all together. I'm a man. Move out at 16 years old. Because my mom and dad, obviously, I mean, what do they think they were doing? Like they knew what to do to raise me as a godly man. What are they doing? Telling me I can't drink. Tell me I can't do drugs. Tell me I can't have a relationship with this person or that person. Who do they think they are? I knew so much at 18, 17, 16. I was wicked smart back then. And nobody could tell me any different. Anybody ever been like that before? You realize that the older you get, mom and dad get smarter? They're not as stupid as you thought they were. I am dry as cracker dust. Forgive me for a moment. I didn't always walk this way. Now, I'm not perfect yet either. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm heading in that direction. I'm doing my best. But I used to think I had it all together. I didn't need this God stuff. I was a hard-working man. I worked construction. I put in a good day's work, made good money, was providing for myself. I can do whatever I want. I don't need this God stuff you're trying to ram down my throat, Mom. 
But a mama's prayers are never in vain. Sorry, a curtain just fell on her head in the nursery. Distracted me. Curtain rod came right down and smacked her on top of the head. Got a little distracted there. But mom's prayers were not in vain. So I did whatever I wanted. I drank, I smoked, I, I, I'll leave it there. I did everything I wanted to do because I knew best. I was a man. Mom, so crazy. Church stuff. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost got a hold of my life one night. I was drinking a can. I won't name the beverage. Live stream is on. Wasn't soda or water, I'll put it that way. And I was driving by an outdoor church meeting. And before I even realized it, I was getting out of my truck, pouring the can of unnamed substance out as I was walking up, half plastered. This is a fun part of the story. I looked at a truck I was walking by, threw my empty can in the back of his truck. <laughs> it wasn't my truck. I didn't care. That's where I was at back then. And I went and I stood at the back of that church. As a man, half drunk, having it all together. Thought I knew what was best for my future and my family. And I didn't know this. I didn't know her then, but lo and behold, Carrie's dad was preaching that camp meeting. Didn't know him or her at the time. And as the service started, that man, her dad, my father-in-law now, God's got a sense of humor, <laughs> prayed at the beginning of that service, God, I pray that the drunks and the drug addicts driving by will be drawn into here by the Holy Spirit, and they'll find themselves at this altar. They'll find themselves at this altar, and they won't even know how they got here. That was me. So I listened to a message like this, and I walked to that altar with alcohol on my breath. I mean, unnamed substance on my breath. And I walked away free. I walked away with no alcohol on my breath. God, through the Holy Spirit, through my now father-in-law, cursed the taste of alcohol off my lips. I never had a desire to drink again. I've never had a desire to do drugs again. I've never had a desire. I even kicked smoking. You know what? You can do that too. I'm not condemning anyone. I did it all. I smoked everything you could smoke, frontwards, backwards, upside down, twice on Sunday. I did it all. I'm not condemning anybody. But what I'm saying is you can walk in that way thinking you got it all together, thinking that you can do whatever you want because you said, but God is saying, this is your wake-up call this morning. Just like Sunday's coming, the day of judgment is coming, and the Bible says a trumpet will sound. And at that moment, those who are alive and have made Jesus their Lord and Savior will be caught up into the air with those who have dead, been died before us and saved. And we will spend eternity reigning with Jesus. But those who have rejected God. It's another story. Just like Sunday's coming in this story, the day that trumpet's going to sound is coming. And you being a man or a woman that has it all together like I thought I did isn't going to be good enough. I'm not trying to put fear into anybody. I'm trying to just wake us up. Because someone preached like this to me, I got free from all that foolishness. 
And I'll tell you what, I haven't missed hangovers a bit. I haven't missed packing up nicotine every four and a half minutes a bit. I haven't missed carrying a puck of chew in my pocket a bit. I haven't missed it a bit. I drink as much as I want to. I just don't want to anymore. I smoke as much as I want to. I just don't want to anymore. Because Jesus got a hold of my heart. Now that sounds corny. Man saying someone's got a hold of his heart. I pray in the name of Jesus. The same fire that gripped me at that altar grips you before you leave this service. And you'll never be able to shake the calling on your life from this moment forward. Don't get stuck in Saturday. Don't accept defeat. Don't let pride hinder you from receiving God's best for you. No one in here is going to, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to receive Jesus. No one in here is going to think less of you because you make that decision. Nobody. Everybody is going to be incredibly proud of you. Everybody is going to get behind you and say, we'll walk with you. We'll join arms. And if you stumble, we'll pick you up. If you're struggling, we'll help you. We'll bridge that gap. We'll pray for you. You have an army of brothers and sisters who will march forward with you. You don't have to do this thing alone. But the choice is yours today. The choice is yours. Don't get stuck in Saturday. Don't let your past, your defeat, your pride hinder you from, from receiving Sunday's victory. And finally... Sunday. Matthew 28, starting at verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly, man, I love a suddenly. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint I prophesy in the name of Jesus that you're going to have a angel moment today you're going to have a moment where the tomb that sealed in your death and defeat is rolled away, and every force of darkness, every Roman soldier, everyone who tried to keep you down, keep you dead, keep you defeated, is eradicated by the power of Jesus, and you walk out of here just like he walked out of that tomb, free, free, free. And there's nothing, nothing the devil can do about it. You know why? Because just like this moment, every resistance to the gospel and the truth and the power of Jesus, it says they fell dead on the ground with one encounter with the presence of God. And I prophesy everything of the enemy in your life falls dead today by one encounter of the Holy Ghost today in Jesus' mighty name. Verse 5. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Listen to this. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just like he said would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. 
Jesus is saying to you today, where you thought death was, when he shows up on the scene, where death used to be, life has come. Where darkness used to rule, light now rules. Where hopelessness used to abound, fresh hope and life comes now in the name of Jesus. It says he isn't here, he's risen from the dead, just like he said would happen. Jesus is saying to you, it's time to walk out of that tomb. It's time to walk away from that death. It's time to walk away from that addiction. It's time to walk away from that hurt that you don't understand. It's time to walk away from the questions that you can't figure out in your mind. You know some of our biggest problem is we can't get past our own intellect. Where your intellect stops, that's where your faith picks up. Hear me now. Just because you can't fathom it, that's the end of your ability. That's where faith takes over. I've seen some things in my life that don't line up with what Scripture says. In my own intellect, I said, that's what this says, but that's not what I'm seeing right now. But that's as high as I could go in my own mind. That is where the faith walk takes over. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. That's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I'm experiencing right now. But you have to make up your mind in that moment that if this thing says it, then that settles it for me. That the truth of the word must scream louder in your life than the reality of your hurt and experiences. I'm going to say that again. The truth of the word must speak louder than the hurt and questions from your personal experiences. I buried my son years ago. Parents aren't supposed to bury their kids. I don't know about you, but that's not supposed to happen. Is it, Dave? Nothing will rip the heart of a father any more than that. That's not what this Bible says is supposed to happen. But in those moments, when I buried my son and lowered that little body into a grave, I had to make a decision. In this moment, I'm not seeing what that thing says, but I'm going to make a decision right now. Either I believe it or I don't. Either God is true or he's a liar. Don't give up on day 28 when payday's on day 30. You understand what I'm saying? Look your circumstances in the eye. Look your pain in the eye. Look that thought of, I'm not good enough. I can never make it on my own in the eye. And say, I may not be good enough, but Jesus has made me good enough. He's risen. He's alive. He walked out of that grave, and today I prophesy Every grave, every tomb, every dark place in your life full of confusion and questions and hurt. They may not all get answered, but if you choose to believe this, not because everything's going right, but in spite of everything that's gone wrong. You see, your next miracle may be hinged on how you handle this defeat. Are you hearing me? If I'd have gave up when we prayed for years for that child and I end up burying that child, if I'd have got mad at God and said, see, this, this religious foolishness, God's not a God of love. That's not true. Why would God do this to me? God didn't do it to me. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Be careful not to blame God for something the devil did. But in that moment, I chose 
I choose to believe this in spite of what I'm seeing in front of me right now. And because I did, I've got an eight-year-old little miracle running around there telling everybody what to do over in the other room. I've got an eight-year-old who's got her mind made up where she's going to university already. Because I didn't get stuck in the hurt. I didn't get stuck in the confusion. I could have very easily. It's by God's grace I didn't. I feel like I need to tell someone this morning. If there was a Christian in your life who didn't act like a Christian, if there was a pastor in your life who didn't act like a pastor or a Christian, don't base your future on their screw-ups. There's lawyers that get disbarred because they don't do what's right, but it doesn't mean every lawyer is a liar. There's doctors who lose their license for malpractice, but we don't push away every doctor. Just because a man or woman of, who was supposed to be a man or woman of God didn't treat you right, don't push away what God wants to do in your life. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Don't walk out of here without receiving Jesus because someone you knew who was supposed to be a believer and walk in faith and love walked in the opposite direction and hurt you or your family. That's religion. I said last Sunday, religion, religious spirits, place pressure on the people to be good enough, to do good enough, to understand, to figure it all out, to have all the answers. But covenant with God takes the pressure off of us as people and puts it on this finished work of Jesus we're talking about today. Sunday represents light exploding where only darkness used to shadow. Sunday represents the place that used to be filled with death and empty of hope now is empty of death and full of hope. It represents the vindication of victory where there used to be violence of death. It represents getting back up every time the devil's tried to kick you down. That's what Sunday represents. Refuse to get stuck in Friday's disappointment and Saturday's grief when Jesus has paid it all for you to live in Sunday's victory. Danny and Hannah or whoever, if you could come back for a moment. Jesus is standing in Sunday's victory, Resurrection Sunday's victory, beckoning to you today, saying, let go of Friday's death and Saturday's confusion. Don't get stuck in Friday and Saturday. I challenge you today, refuse to live a life that would look like the stone is still, still sealing the tomb. The grief from your Friday is gone. The confusion of your Saturday is gone. They've been answered. The joy and hope and victory of Resurrection Sunday is standing in front of you, asking you to choose. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. God wants you to know your disappointment, your discouragement, your delays were not a denial to your victory. Your discouragement, 
the delay, you feel like you prayed and it hasn't happened yet, is not a denial. It doesn't mean God hasn't heard you. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that his best is not ahead of you. It doesn't mean his best is behind you. You see, condemnation says, you messed up, you'll never be good enough. But conviction is what you're feeling this morning. Saying, I know I'm not good enough. And I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to live in my own strength. I don't want to think I got it all together. The cycles that have happened in your family can stop today if you allow them. And someone here today is thinking, well, what about my friends? What about the, the people at work? What about the people I hang out with? What are they going to think of me if I make this decision to turn my life to Jesus today? It doesn't matter what they think. Chances are they probably think some things about you you don't even know anyway. Anybody know the old gospel song, Let's Give Them Something to Talk About? That was a joke. It's not a gospel song. They're going to talk anyway. Let them talk about the victory they're seeing you experience in your life. They're going to talk anyway. Let them talk about you getting free from your addiction. They're going to talk anyway. Let them talk about you going to church and being the happiest you've ever been because God's in your heart. They're going to talk anyway. Give them something to talk about. And I promise you, when you hook on to Jesus and this message of hope and begin to live it out, give him control of your life, their gossiping and rumors and, and criticism will turn to, I don't know what happened to him. I used to know him. I don't know what happened to her. I used to know her. I don't know what happened to that guy. We used to get high together. <laughs> He's flying high, but it ain't the same substance we used to get high on. It's the Holy Ghost and fire burning in his heart. One moment in the presence of God will change everything. One moment will eradicate every bit of depression and sickness and sadness and defeat. One moment, one encounter with God will change you and your family's future forever. One encounter with God. And you will never be the same. <clears throat> when you connect with God, you don't go down. It's only up, baby, from here. When you connect with God, your business will flourish more than it's ever flourished. When you connect with God, family hindrances and, and, and tension and arguments and dysfunction will begin to break and break and break. Why? Because the Bible says that the love of God, the Word of God penetrates and it breaks down every wall. It destroys every heavy yoke. It gives you the ability to forgive where they don't deserve your forgiveness. You will not go down with Jesus. You will only go up. Life doesn't have to be up and down and up and down and struggle and struggle. No, life will still happen, but it doesn't have to control you anymore. It doesn't have, water doesn't have to get in the boat no more. It can splash against the side, but you're crossing over to the other side. Jesus said, let us cross over. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. If you'll just get in the boat today, the word of the Lord is for you. Baby, we're going to the other side, whether the devil likes it or not. Defeat will not be your story. A spirit 
of orphanism will not be your story, but you will be victorious. And you will realize that the purpose and plan of God for your life is not only real, but it's good. It's good. It's good. One moment will change everything. Your business will go up. Your family will begin to be restored. You know, I thought when I gave up my old life and became a Christian, and now a, a pastor, never thought that would happen. I thought I was giving up every bit of fun I had. Life's, pardon, pardon this expression, if any of you are over 60, you may want to plug your ears. You've probably never heard this in church, some of you before. But, eh, why not? It's not that bad. But when I get saved, I thought, well, I guess life's going to suck now. I can't drink anymore. can't party anymore. I can tell you, I had every friend I wanted. I had every drink I wanted. I had every substance I wanted. I had every relationship I wanted. I had all the money I wanted. I had all the toys I wanted. I had everything this life could offer. But I had no peace in my heart. I had no joy in my life. I laid in bed at night and said, is this all there is? I've got everything I want. Is this all there is to life? But you know what? When I received Jesus, when I gave up, now I'm not, I'm not here to criticize anybody, but when you really get Jesus in your heart, the old ways just seem to fade away. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, in one moment, I got delivered from alcoholism. In one moment, I had no desire to smoke anything or snort anything anymore. In one moment, everything changed. And you know what? Since I turned my back on my smoking and drinking and running, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've got the most peace I've ever had. I've got the most joy I've ever had. I'm having the time of my life. Every hole you've been trying to fill with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with money. More money, more problems. I've heard of that before. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Sorry, I just gave my head. Whatever you're trying to, food, you can be addicted to anything. It's not just illegal substances. Whatever you've tried to fill that hole in your heart with, that hole, this is going to sound corny, but I'm going to say it. That hole is the perfect size for Jesus to fit in. It. That's a hole that only Jesus will fit in. It's a Jesus-sized hole on the inside of your heart. And no, every time you use alcohol or pornography or sex or food or drugs or tobacco or chew, whatever the case is, whatever thing that's controlling your life, those are always going to be uh, square pegs in a round hole in your heart. You see, they band-aids the symptoms and the pain for a little while. But tomorrow morning, you're just as hurt. You're just as broken. You're just as broke. You're just as depressed. But I can promise you, this high I've been on, <laughs> this high I've been on, I've never had a hangover. I've never woke up depressed anymore. I've never woke up sick anymore. I've never woke up 
with the same hole in my heart that I tried to drown the night before. This is a high I ain't ever coming off of. I've never woke up with a single regret because I followed this. Never. Stand to your feet with me if you would. Bow your heads. I want to talk to you for just a moment, then I'm going to let you go in a couple of minutes. If the life you've been living is not the one I've talked about this morning, of victory and of hope, if you're looking for a place and a people who will accept you for all your corks and your hookups and your hangups, we all got them here. This is the place you're welcome. You'll be loved. Whether you like it or not, you're family now to us. We love you right where you're at, but we love you too much to keep you where you're at. So you're family to us now, but God wants you to make you a part of his family right now. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if he's not in control of your life, if you haven't asked for forgiveness of your sins and, and decided to turn your life over to him and say, I'm going to live a life pleasing to you. I want heaven to be my home, not hell. I want freedom. I want my joy back. I want peace in my heart. I don't want to be angry at everything anymore. If you want that change in your life, now is the moment of decision for you. If that sounds like you, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, what that simply means, I'm turning away from my old life, I'm asking for forgiveness from God and I'm turning my life over to Him. He's in control now. I want to serve Him. doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means you have to attempt to walk after the life God has for you. If that sounds like you and you want to make that decision, you want to leave here free from the guilt of your past, free from everything sin tried to do to you. You want to leave here knowing that when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, if you were to die, heaven is your home, not hell. You want to know that God will empower you to victory and to shake everything that once destroyed you. If that's you and you want to make that decision, I want you to be bold. I want you to slip your hand up right now. No one looking around, only me will see it. If that's you and you want to make that decision, you want to turn your back on the past and say, I can't do it on my own anymore. I want that hope you're talking about. I want that freedom you're talking about. If that sounds like you, I want you to slip your hand up right now. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. God's moving in this place. There's some men and women who have been very bold right now. Don't leave here the way you came in. If that's you, slip your hand up. 20 more seconds. Leave here saved on your way to heaven and free by the power of God. 15 more seconds. Is there anybody else? Don't miss your opportunity. I see those hands. Is there anybody else? 
Ten more seconds. I see those hands. If your heart's pounding, you think, man, I gotta do this. If you ask one more time, this is me asking one more time. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up right now. All right. Now I'm gonna ask you to take one more step of boldness. I made the same step. I was drunk when I did it, so you're probably not there today. But if you raised your hand, I don't want to embarrass you. But the Bible says that we're saved by publicly confessing Him. If that's you and you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know that you want to make that decision, you come and stand with me at this altar? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If you raised your hand, come to this altar right now. We're going to be proud of you. You have nothing to be embarrassed about here. If that's you, come right down to this altar. I know there's a couple more of you that raised your hands. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. Be bold. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 You have nothing to be ashamed about. This is the... I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. A few more seconds. I saw a couple more hands. This takes courage. These are the most courageous men and women in this room right now. You want to join them? Ten more seconds. As I'm about to pray with these people not going to prolong it. If that's you, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If it's the first time or it's been a long time, it's the last call. Come to this altar right now. All right, we're going to pray. You two want to stand right here in front of me and just face me that we don't have to look at the people. You want to stand right here and face me, backs to the people. Um, I'm going to pray with both of you. I want you to we're going to, as a team, we're going we're gonna, to, as a family, we're going to pray this prayer together. But this mighty man and this precious lady are going to pray this prayer. And they're going to walk out of here just as saved as you and I are. I want everybody to repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my mess-ups. I repent of my past. I turn my life over to you. I receive your forgiveness. Heaven is my home. I'm free from sin. And I will not turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give them a hand. listening. If you want to connect with us, don't hesitate to visit us in person at our Down East location in Sullivan, Maine. You can also find us on Facebook, 
YouTube and Instagram. Have the best week you've ever had.